Amen. Um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. I ask that when I'm present, that I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Um, look at verse 6, or 7. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Um, okay, for, if I, for even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. For I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when, look at this, when they measure themselves by themselves, and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. You see that? And so our job as believers, and when, you, when you're studying the Word of God, and when you start learning some things about God, and you start under, understanding things about God, it's not for the purpose of boasting. It's not for the purpose, purpose of you looking good, or you shining in front of other people. It's for the purpose of you strengthening other people. Amen? Look at this in uh, another place. Um, Luke verse 18. Verse 9. You guys can also talk back if you want to. It's all good. Luke 18, verse 9. Jesus was also, also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. He says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I pay tithes of all that I get, of all that I get. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Look what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, again, when we study the Word of God, it should produce in us a humility. Um, when I read the Word of God, I see how far I have to go. Right? I mean, there's, there should never be any point in our lives when we come to the place where we're like, man, I can't believe these sinners, right? I can't believe these people. And if, 
if we ever get to that point, we have to look back to where we were before we got saved. Because we were all that sinner. We were all that person. Right? And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what God wants in His church. That's what God wants His people. He wants His people to be a people that don't look at others with judgment and look down on people, but are there to lift them up. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And Yeah, yeah. I just stuck out to me for the mm -hmm. first time, like, oh, yeah. it wasn't like that. God saw his heart. Like, what are you really thinking on the inside? Which is pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. I wonder how many times, like, we've prayed, yeah. and it's like, God's praying like, you're yourself. just praying to yourself. Right. I'm not yeah. even listening uh -huh. to that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing. I mean, we all know the scripture, pride goes before our fall and a haughty yeah. spirit before destruction. And, you know, mm -hmm. anytime... And, and the Bible also says that God resists the proud, yeah. but he gives, uh, he gives grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. So anytime we slip into that place of pride where we're something because we're these spiritual whatever, and that's the, way, that's the way the Pharisees became. And that's the difference between a Pharisee and someone that's seeking God with all their hearts. It's because the Pharisee is someone that because of their learning, because of their knowledge about who God is, now they're something. And they're above everybody else, and everyone else is underneath them. Um, the biblical model of leadership, the biblical model of teachers, that the teachers are underneath, and everybody else is above them. So it's still a pyramid, it's still a triangle, but in the biblical model, the, the, the leader's on the bottom, rather on the top and stuff. And even in a lot of church, you see that where the leaders, you know, everything is there, everything exists to serve the leaders and to, to make them look good. And uh, you know that's not the way that's not the way that it is in the kingdom. And uh, no, I think a lot of times. And uh, you know another thing is like arguing scripture. Like uh, that's something that I mean, I, I, I like to share scripture, and if, if it's a debate, I don't mind that and stuff. And if people, if there's an honest desire on people's hearts to know, even if they disagree, that's fine. But when it comes to fighting, I don't believe God has called us to fight scripture you know what i'm saying like in the medieval times i mean uh protestants and catholics were having each other put to death and 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 stuff like that and i mean that's not what god has called us to do and if if someone i mean there are tons of proverbs that talk about if someone is argumentative turn away from them and if it you know the new testament talks about casting your pearls before swine if people aren't going to listen there's no need to try to force the truth down someone's through because one thing I have learned from experience is that you cannot force anybody to accept the truth. Um, you can you can tell them the truth and they can re either re accept it or reject it, but you can't force someone to accept the truth. Um, and also, I just want to say that um, there is a place for uh, as brothers and sisters for correction, right? So so. I mean, there. I mean, it's not just kind of a sloppy grace. It is about love, and the whole thing is about your heart's desire is to help that person, and stuff. But there is, there are times and places where if you see a brother in sin, I mean, it's wrong. It would be wrong not to try to help them and try to tell them, look, the path that you're on is wrong, 
And if you continue down this path, it's a it's a path to destruction. <coughs> mm -hmm. So uh, the key there to me though is, do you do that in a loving way, right? Or do and you do it in a judgment? Right. right. And, and also, what are your motives? Because right. that's yeah. probably how that's going to be received as mm -hmm. well. Right. You know, if they're they're if it's being received in a loving, kind, mm -hmm. caring way, mm -hmm. they'll probably have their ears open. Mm -hmm. If it comes at them as judgment, mm -hmm. yeah, the walls are going to go up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's good. Okay, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. This is Paul speaking. He says, Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we, all, we know that we all have knowledge. Look at this. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. So again, it all comes down to the motive. If the motive is for love, it will edify somebody. Mm -hmm. If it's about making yourself look good, then, you know, no one's going to listen to you. Verse 2, if anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he's known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there's no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there's no God but one. Now, we know that in the New Testament times, they were around a lot of Greeks that worshipped many idols and things like that, and there's still idol worship today. Um, Verse 5, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do eat, nor the better if we do not eat. Look at verse 9. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it's weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. So do you see the heart of Paul? Paul's heart is, if it's going to cause someone to stumble, I'm not going to do it. Now, some things to look at when you're reading that, though, is number one, he's talking about somebody who's weak in faith. Okay? Um, now, Jesus... When, when Jesus walked the earth, all the time he would do things that the Pharisees did not like. Like he would pick grains of wheat on the head on, um, on the Sabbath and eat them. Uh, he would heal on the Sabbath. Things that would drive the Pharisees crazy. Um, now, because they didn't like it, that he didn't necessarily change what he was doing. You see that? So what this scripture is talking about is somebody, a brother, who is weak in faith. In other words, if I have a friend who's a brother and say he was an alcoholic, I'm not going to drink in front of that person. Does that yeah, make sense? Awful. Even though I don't believe that drinking is a sin, I believe drunkenness is a sin, and I believe that no self-control is also a sin. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, a brother who is weak in faith at some point needs to grow up too. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. When your toddler... Uh, is two or three years old and they, they can't provide for themselves, it's cute. When they're like 19 or 20, it's not cute anymore. <laughs> they need to grow up, right? 
And so there, there's balance in all of that. And there's balance in understanding that just because a religious person doesn't like something that you're doing, you, you, you stop what you're doing, right? If you're following the Lord and it's making people mad, that doesn't mean you, you quit doing what God has told you to do. At the same point, you, there is the balance that you, you want to, like if someone is truly weak in faith, you want to, again, your purpose, your motive, your goal is try to strengthen that person mm -hmm. and try to help them know Christ and try to help them to understand. Mm -hmm. So, okay. does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, the second thing that you want to watch out for is um, basically if you are not, when you, when you study the Word of God, if you are not prepared to, to obey it, if you are not prepared to change your life to do what it says, then you might as well not read it at all. Um, because um, look at Hebrews chapter 3. The Word of God, when, when we study the Word of God, it should produce an obedience in our heart, right? When you read the things that, that, when you study the Bible and it says the things that God loves, then somehow within our hearts, there should be a desire in us that wants to please God. That's why we're reading the Bible in the first place, right? Because we want to know what God is like. So when we read the Bible and it says that God hates whatever, whether it's um, drunkenness, whether it's adultery, whether it's uh, gossip, whether it's uh, hating your neighbor, whatever it is, when we read those things, we don't just read them and just ignore them. It's not something that you're just filling your head full of knowledge, but it's something that you're trying. It's not a religious activity. It's something that you, when you read the Bible, you want it to get into your heart. You want it to produce an obedience, and you want to leave the Word of God becoming more like Jesus than you were before, yeah. all right? Yeah. So in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, um, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the, uh, the Jews in the Old Testament. And in verse 12, he says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who had provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all of those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not those who had sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So it says, so we see in verse 19 that they were not able to enter into his rest because of, his, because of their unbelief. Therefore let us fear if while a promise remains of entering into his rest, any one of you may seem, may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word that they heard did not profit them, look at this, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. In verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So, there is a rest. That's the presence of God. And when we believe what he says, and we, we allow that to, and the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes from hearing, hearing comes from the word of God. 
So when we read it and we act on the things that he's saying and we believe the things that he's saying, then we begin to enter into his presence. We begin to enter into that rest and we know the peace of God that passes all understanding. And so that's the thing. When we're living in sin, when, we're, when we've got one foot in the world, one foot in the, in the church, and, and we're trying to live a godly life, we're trying to do what's right, but we're still partying on the weekends, we're still kind of trying to do our own thing at the same, at the same time, there's no peace. And we don't have that peace of God because we're not, uh, we're not, we're not giving our lives fully over to Him. Turn to another place in... Let's see, Romans 16, or actually James chapter 2. Verse 14. So again, there's a responsibility when we study the word, that when we study it, it's like, and, and pray, God help me to live according to your word. And we talked a little bit about it last time, but the problem is, is that our minds... Um, and that's where the battle is. That's what the Bible says, as man thinks, so is he. And so all of our lives, we have lived our lives certain ways. We've been taught over and over. We've been brainwashed, essentially, that this is the way you're supposed to live. You're supposed to live according to the world. You're supposed to do all these things. And when we get saved and we start reading the word of God, it begins to wash our minds and say, no, what you've been taught all your life is wrong. This is the way that you need to live now, right? And so, um, again, that's how the Word of God washes our minds. In, verse, uh, in James 2, verse 14, look at this. It says, What use is it, my brethren, if, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food or diapers or mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, by it, if it has no works, is dead by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Look at this. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar. Look in verse 22. He says, you see that faith was working with his works. So when we believe the word of God and we walk in the word of God and we change what we're doing to what the word says, there, there's an energy. There's a supernatural power that comes, that comes from the faith. Yes. And it, it energizes that works and it becomes pleasing to God. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times faith and works is like actually a place of sacrifice. We lay our we lay something mm -hmm. precious on the altar yeah. and give it fully over to God. And and uh, he's he's really worked with me in that. Just cool. really having me lay things on the altar that were even good. Right. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Isaac was good. Even, yeah. yeah. Isaac was given by God. Yeah. yeah. And and um, but God, you know, Isaac couldn't even be Abraham's idol. 
that's excellent. Eight. That's good. And that's that's a really good point because a lot of times the things that God can give us can become idols. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know if you guys know the story of Gideon in the Old Testament, but Gideon was one of the judges, and uh, God used him to deliver the people of Israel from the Amalekites. And it's funny because God found him, and he was like hiding from the enemies and God comes to him and says, Hey, mighty man of God. And he's like, who are you talking to? You know? And, and so God takes him and he, and it's so awesome because that just shows what God can do with each one of us. Yeah. We can be hiding in our, whatever it is, our sins, our, our unbelief, our, our fears and stuff. And God comes and says, you know what? I see you as a mighty man or a mighty woman of God. Yeah. And I can use your life. And stuff. So, anyway, I mean, uh, Gideon does all these mighty things, uh, totally delivers um, Israel from the oppressions of the enemy and stuff. And uh, he collected the the gold from the enemy's camels, and they made like a, a breastplate out of them, out of it. And uh, um, as after Gideon died, the people began to worship that breastplate. Mm -hmm. And it's like people. It's even like the Ark mm -hmm. of God. I mean, you, you watch all kinds of shows on the History Channel, and, and they're like, well, the Ark was like a, like, a, like a transmitter to God, or the Ark had this supernatural power, and then maybe it was a, like a battery that shot out electricity and stuff. And, you know, and they talk about when the Ark of God would go into battle, the, 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 the Israelites couldn't lose because this, they had this supernatural thing. And that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, because the ark had no power in of, of itself. The ark was nothing. It was a box covered with gold. It was nice to look at, but it had no power at all. It was only when God came down and inhabited it that's when it had power. And that's because God was there, not because the box had anything to do. And uh, so it, it's just funny to me that that's how... That's how the world, that's, that's what the Bible says. The natural man does not understand the things of God. And we try to make it all this stuff that it's not. And it's the power of God. It's the presence of God. If the presence of God goes with you, then you can conquer your enemies. If it doesn't, then you're in trouble. And that was the whole lesson. Um, back to verse 22. You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of works, his faith was... Er, as a result of the works, faith was perfected, and Scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So there is the step where Abraham believed, and after that the works came, right? Mm -hmm. So we believe that the word is true, and that's when it has the power in our lives. And that's the thing, is, as believers, we have to, number one... Um, you have to presuppose before you even before you and I come to the word of God, you have to believe that everything in this book is true. Right? Because if we don't believe this book is true, then we're wasting our time anyhow. Because if it's not true, then what is true? Right? If it's not true, is God true? And so the, the presupposition for the Christian is, is we believe that this word, this Bible is true, and we believe that the way that we have received it is the way that God wanted us to receive it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is, not ju is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. 
So again, the Bible, when it should, when we read the, the Word of God, it should produce some kind of life in us. Um, again, just like the writer of Hebrews was saying, you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. And again, it's not us trying to earn God's favor. It's not us trying to be something that we're not. It's if, if the Word of God gets in you, it will produce a life. And it's not forcing it. It's, it's like an apple tree doesn't have to force apples to come out of it. An apple tree is an apple, so naturally it produces apples. So you and I will produce the kind of fruit that we are. Does that make sense? If we, if we are a fruitful tree, we'll provide fruit. If we're an unfruitful tree, we'll provide bitterness and rottenness and all kinds of other stuff. So. Okay. And um, turn to Romans chapter 16. <coughs> That's why, you know, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. And hopefully there should be enough fruit in us that people can look. I mean, I've, I've met completely, complete strangers before, and I knew that person was a Christian, you know? And so if, you know, the life, if, there, if the life of God is in a vessel, it should somehow find its way out. You know? Romans 16, verse 25. This is what Paul was saying to the Romans as he was ending the, his book. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been, known, has been made known to all the nations, look at this, leading to obedience of faith. So again, I mean, all, all, you know, all the people that, that live in the world, but they go to church and, and you know, and it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Um, I was talking to someone not too long ago. Um, we were preaching on the streets at a, at a concert one time and, and this person was selling drugs. And so we started witnessing to him and he's like, all I know is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. perfectly. I mean... You can quote it all day long, but if you're not living it, then it's not real. I mean, it's just, you know, you can go into McDonald's, but, you, you know, uh, make you a hamburger. that doesn't make you a hamburger. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what we say with our mouths. Our lives speak what's inside of us. And again, that's the purpose for getting the word inside of us. So it begins to wash us, to cleanse us, and begin to work its way out from the inside to the outside and spread life to everything that's around us. Amen? I'm going to read one quick scripture, okay. um, Hebrews um, 6, verse 7. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it and brings forth veg vegetation useful useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled will receive a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and ends up being burned. I just think it's really that part about from the ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it. It's just, it's easy to be a churchgoer and to go every week and hear the word and hear the word and hear the word every week for, you know, 20 years. But if you're not producing fruit, it's, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous game. Well, again, it goes back to a child. If you have a child, 
that is not growing, there's something wrong. They're still good. If a child is, 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 and there are Christians in church that have been in church 15, 20 years, and they've never changed from, from the first day. There's something wrong with that. If, if the life of Jesus, the Bible says, if uh, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will give life to your mortal body. Jesus raised up from the dead. I mean, think about that. Death. There is no bigger obstacle in the life of man than death. There is no way that you or I can overcome death on our own. Jesus rose from the dead, and not only did he rise from the dead, but that same life that caused him to do that says now dwells in us. And so if that kind of life, that kind of power is inside of me, it should be leaking somewhere, right? <laughs> Hopefully, anyway. Okay, uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. The third thing that we want to talk about is accurately handling the Word of God. Um, and none of us are perfect, right? Nobody knows all of the Word of God. Nobody knows it all. Everybody has gaps in their theology or whatever and stuff like that but the purpose is that we are studying to know him more yeah. and to become more like him and the Bible, god gave us his word to be understood yeah. jesus said even a child can understand so it's a matter of the heart again if if you're if you're someone if you're a natural mind if you're if you're not born again if you have no desire for the things of god you read the bible and it makes no sense whatsoever it's a closed book to you. It's a sealed book. But when the Holy Spirit comes and he makes you alive and he causes your spirit to come alive, then you read it and it gives life. Mm -hmm. and, it, it, and it's life to you. It's not just a dead book anymore. Mm -hmm. um, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 14. Paul is telling them, he says, um, he's telling Timothy to make sure that they're preaching sound doctrine. In verse 14, he says, Reminding them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words. In other words, again, not to argue about doctrine. He says, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Verse 15, but be diligent. He doesn't say just take it kind of half-heartedly or, or just be slack at it. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So again, God wants us as his believers. Uh, and again, part of the problem with that is many of us have portions of scripture. Like we love the Psalms, you know, we love Proverbs. We love, we love certain parts of the scriptures and stuff. And we, we major on those things, and, and we don't study the rest of it. God gave us this whole word, and he gave it for us to understand, and he gave it to us because he wants us to know him. He says, this is my heart. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is a revelation of who he is. And if we're coming to him and we're saying, Lord, I love you with all, it, it, sometimes it scares me, honestly. We sing worship songs, God, I love you with all of my heart. God, I want to give you everything. And sometimes it's like, I'm scared to sing that stuff. Because sometimes I know that there's parts of my heart that I'm like, ah, that one's tough. I'm not sure about that, you know? And uh, so, but, but God wants to reveal himself to us. And the Bible, the Bible is such, it's, it's like a gem. It's facets of it. And 
the way that you begin to truth, like, the, again, there are things that all of us, there are things that we struggle to understand. But the more you study the Bible, you realize that it's like a, like a huge puzzle. And like, say, uh, say like anything, say like you're, you're having a problem understanding God's mercy. Well, as you read the entire Bible, as you read certain parts, the parts of one part of Scripture, you'll remember that part of Scripture and you'll be reading a different part of the Scripture and it ties in together and makes a complete whole of that, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, again, uh, all the misunderstandings, pretty much all the misunderstandings that we have of Scripture are because we're missing a part of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Like, just take, for example, the fact of, of Catholic priests not married. I mean, the Bible says, do not abstain from marriage, right? So it's, and maybe, so the point being is, is if you're not taking the whole thing, then you can be deceived mm -hmm. because you'll miss a part of what God is saying. And so you don't have all the pieces to tie together and make a complete whole. Mm -hmm. Amen. Again, that's why, you know, I always suggest read whole books, especially the New Testament letters. They are whole thoughts that Paul gave to those people that, uh, that were written so that they could understand certain concepts. And uh, again, chapters, chapter breaks, they weren't in the original Bible. That's why a lot of times you're reading your chapters and, and the thought keeps going. So when it's doing that, just keep following it. See, what, see where God is leading. Um, let's see, Second Peter chapter 3. Well, Are you moving on from that? Do you want to argue about it? No, I don't want to argue about it. <laughs> yeah. I know. I just, I just, I just want to say that, um, and I know you're still talking about it. I'm not trying to contradict anything you're saying, um, but I also, and I know you feel this way too. But we, we also feel like we long to be in fellowship with people that can love each other and and disagree, like because it, because we learn from each other, you know, like. If I sit down with, like, me and Ruth get together or whatever, and, I don't know, she says, well, Amy, I don't believe that women should teach men. And I say, well, I believe it's okay. Then we can talk about it. And instead of going, ha, well, you're wrong, and walking away from each other, I, I, God designed our relationship that we could learn from each other, you know, and that we can talk about, well, why do you think that way? And, but you, have, you do it from, a, from an attitude of humility. And when you can do that, then you actually can really grow in your understanding of the word because you might tell me something, but did you consider blah de blah de blah? Oh no, I didn't consider that, you know. And and uh, we've been very hurt in the body of Christ in the last twenty something years because people, if if they find something they disagree with, they were like, especially because Dean's a teacher, it's like, oh, how dare he believe something that's you know off or they think is off, you know, like he he thinks women can teach or something, which he does. And he thinks women can teach men. So we've had people cut us off in relationship because of that. Yeah. You know, so instead of doing that, why don't say, hey, can we sit down and talk about it lovingly and humbly? And why do you think that way? Why do you think that way? And so I just ask all of you, please don't do that. Because <laughs> we love you guys. And I, if there's ever a disagreement, I just want to lovingly chat it out and not, you know, not everybody offend each other. Because I think that's what Paul's really getting at. He's like, don't argue about it. Don't. It's not there to cause strife. The Word of God is not there to create all the strife and division. It's there that we can come to some sort of unity, you know. And bottom line is, if we love the Lord, that's yeah. 
waiting at five. When I see that done in, just living with them, just being really blessed by the roommates I have right now, and they're they're awesome. But um, it's like just using certain things. I've done this too. I've been guilty of doing what I'm fixing to say, but like using things that are going on in the world, and I'll have my worldview. Mm-hmm. And then using the scriptures to back my opinion, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and so just realizing, yeah, I'm doing that, and yeah, I'm just missing the whole point. And the whole point is exactly what you were saying earlier. Like, I, I will not eat meat if it causes my brother to stumble. Mm-hmm. I will not argue about. I will not bring up what I think Obama did wrong if mm-hmm. it causes my brother mm-hmm. to stumble. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just whatever. It's just yeah. it's not. That's it's not worth not, it. Yeah they're, yeah, they're not going to go to hell because right. they prefer a particular right. political party. You know right, what I mean? right. <laughs> Which is yeah. another thing that happened to us. We started this big community prayer rally in Utah when we were pastoring, and we invited all these churches and their pastors and whatever to come because we wanted people from every church, Methodist, yeah. Baptist, Charismatic, we didn't care, because we all had a heart for the Lord. We all wanted God to bring His truth and His revival to Utah, and that was what it was all about. It was all about reaching Utah for Jesus, you know, so everybody comes together, so the, was it the first or second time we came together, and it was going really, really good, so I think it was the second time, tons of people coming, the newspaper wanted to do an article, the, like, Mormon newspaper, like, we're so impressed with what was happening, but the enemy came in so quick through division, and what happened was, we had to pass out these little things as everybody walked in that said, every, just so everybody knows, not everybody coming is of the charismatic background, so um, this is a prayer meeting, and we just ask, you know, that if you speak in tongues, that you would please do it quietly under your breath so you don't yeah. offend your, someone next to you that may not be of that practice and may not understand it <coughs> feel comfortable with it. Yeah. And so, um, and then I got up before it started and also verbally announced it, and I said, you know, we believe in speaking in tongues. We speak in tongues, but for this purpose of this meeting, this is a community meeting, and we're going to have respect for all the beliefs that are here and we ask you to pray, and if that's something that you do, we ask you to please do it quiet, very, very quietly. <laughs> so sure enough, like, in the middle of the prayer meeting, this lady just starts screaming in tongues at the top of her lungs. Her voice was literally, like, straining. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, screaming. And so every, little people started kind of gradually filtering out, and she just did it for, for a long time, and was stomping her feet, too. <laughs> she was just so loud. And so, and so people were kind of slowly filtering out, and my heart is so broken. And I'm like, and I just, I went up there and got the microphone, and I said, I'm so sorry, but I just want to remind everyone to please be sensitive to those around you. And, um, and basically, when the meeting ended, half the people were gone because half the people were very offended by all that. And she came up, and her pastor and everybody came up and said, I don't know what y'all think y'all are doing in this community, but you're, you're silencing the Holy Spirit, and just rebuked me very, very heavily. And we will never be back, you know, because we had, you know. So it's like, it's just not meant to be, whether, even if, even if, it is biblical that you speak in tongues. It's not worth dividing, and that's not coming together and praying for people. So, yeah. I think it goes back to what, what uh, you were sharing about pride. Yeah. And that certain people, intellectually, they get to a point of they know what they know. Mm-hmm. Very prideful of them. Mm-hmm. They can't make this statement. I learned a statement probably, I'm an older guy, uh, but I wish I would have learned it when I was a younger man, and that is, I'm going to agree to disagree with mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, because it, it ends conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like uh, sometimes, you know, my walk with the Lord is um, kind of.
kind of like pottery. I feel like uh, God is molding me all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what you're sharing, is that mm-hmm. when you have conversations with people uh, who are Christian, mm-hmm. they, they have different beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I've been blessed to teach in some Christian schools, mm-hmm. which makes it, um, you know, denomination, non-denomination mm-hmm. schools, of course, you're teaching multiple kids with different beliefs. Right. Uh, and how to bring all that together, I think, if you can have that mindset that, you know, um, I'm going to pray about that mm-hmm. afterwards and see if God works on my heart. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe it's a living word. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe yeah. that God speaks to each of us when we read this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we may read something and I may mm-hmm. read it and mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit may speak to her. Right, way. exactly. He speaks mm-hmm. to me. And mm-hmm. It's not for me to judge mm-hmm. Ruth for how she read that. Mm-hmm. But so many people humans uh, and religion, if you study religion in an intellectual way, it doesn't matter where you go, the deepest, darkest jungles in South America, and they go together and they create rules, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the rules were maybe great for the leader, but and I think that goes all the way back, you know, Catholicism, like you said, I was born and raised Catholic, mm-hmm. where everything was based on rules, and it wasn't until I really got into college that I developed a personal relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Another thing I see a lot is two people that actually are saying the same thing (laughs) with each other because they have different verbiage with the same exact idea and they're Mm -hmm. bickering back and forth and they don't Mm -hmm. even know that that ultimately they agree. (laughs) (laughs) That Satan attacks our unity more than anything else. If we're we're a united army, all of one mind, I mean, can you imagine how we would just conquer? Mm -hmm. And so Satan really tries to divide us at every... Mm-hmm. possible stage because then mm-hmm. we can't be you know, that for me and we're just yeah. out there making most yeah. mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. doing our own little thing and not really following the general yes. or just kind of beating each other up and mm-hmm. leaving our wounded on the battlefield and, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. such a glory it is such a to me it's the glory of God to have the 70 times 7 even like conquering mm-hmm. Satan putting him under our feet mm-hmm. and going and pursuing relationship and like pursuing to work out the problems and mm-hmm. pursuing like this just mm-hmm. like and there comes a place where you have to like I understand there are those situations where you have to like go okay this is like I, I don't hate you mm-hmm. you know I care about you I love you but it's just but ultimately pursue first you know? <laughs> but, yeah. 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 But, yeah yeah like, yeah it's, it's just such a beautiful thing to me to see that yeah um just I don't know working that out in my own life and then just seeing that with another people too I just love it mm-hmm. I really love that about the body of Christ, which is such a beautiful thing, because I grew up in a family where we just cut everything off. It's like, oh, well, okay, well, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and you just, like, cut things mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. But, um... And that's just, the easier way for our flesh, mm-hmm. but that's not God's way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Where were we? Second Peter 3. And that's the thing, there there's a psalm, I think it's 126 or whatever, it says God commands a blessing where there's unity. Yeah. And just like y'all are saying, I mean, the enemy, if one of the, one of the biggest tricks in, the, in, the, in the church is attacking the unity. I mean, every single day, churches split over stupid things, you know? 
We don't like, you know, the color of the carpet, color of the carpet you know, whatever and stuff. And, and so people are just, yeah, that, and it's crazy that, that to think that the enemy can use me and my unforgiveness or my attitudes to, to bring wedges and things. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. He does it in marriage, too. Oh, yeah. The biggest, yeah. the biggest attack that we get is right. the enemy trying to divide. And yes. ironically, usually always happens before church, before Bible study, before mm -hmm. worship time. Yeah. The enemy is trying to get in there and just like screw up right. the spirit yeah, of things, you know. The closest relationships, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and our children. And our children. <laughs> children. Yes. Yeah. And then like learning how to communicate vulnerably, you know, is mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. such a. Communication uh, is tough. Mm hmm. So many times recently I've had issues, you know, just dealing with different people where a situation was set up, but the only logical conclusion would be this. And mm -hmm. so I'm like stressed out and how am I going to confront this situation, blah, 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 <coughs> only to find out after all that stress that there actually was another logical conclusion that just, you know, didn't ever occurred to me that it could be that, but that also makes sense. And yeah. had I reacted in the flesh like my first instinct, then I would have torn and shredded the situation yeah. and the relationship. Yeah. Whereas if I stop and think about, okay, how else might this, mm -hmm. you know. And that's awesome too, I mean, because just, just the self-control of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I was going to say too. We don't always have to say something. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of times when you can just not talk. <laughs> I mean, but but the problem with a, a lot of us is like, oh, well, I got to say something. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and then it turns into this huge thing okay. and it explodes and then you wonder why. Second <laughs> um, Peter 3, verse uh, 14. He's, uh, Paul is talking about new heavens and new earth. In verse 14, he says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things... Be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given you, wrote to you, as, in, as, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things. Look at this, what Peter says, in which are some things hard to understand. You see that? This is the Apostle Peter saying, man, I read Paul's works, and I'm like, this is hard to understand. <laughs> Right? So, I mean, so it's not, you know, God understands that we have a hard time understanding. It's, you know, there's a, there's a song, there's a psalm that says it's the, it's a glory of God to conceal a thing. It's the glory of kings to search it out. And it glorifies God in that we dig, that we're not satisfied with just uh, and some things you got to put on the back burner. Sometimes yeah. you put things on the back burner and you don't understand it for months, even years and stuff. And then all of a sudden, one day you read it and it's like, boom, you know, or like we were talking earlier, you read a different part of scripture and boom, you know, all of a sudden, hey, the lights come on and stuff. But it glorifies God when we, when we are willing to dig deep, when we're willing to say, you know what? I want to find out what this means. Mm -hmm. I want to know. I want to study it. I want to find out and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, verse 15, in regard the patience of, or 16, and all, as also in all his letters, Paul, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, look at this, which the untaught and unstable distort as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. 
He says, But you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. And uh, again, we talked about the Bereans, how, like uh, Paul said, the Bereans were no more noble than everybody else in that they would go and they would study the things that he said to see if they were true. And I, I think that's awesome because here Paul is the great apostle, the mighty man of God, and he would preach to the Bereans and they'd go home and they'd say, okay, well, we're going to find out if what he said was true. Mm-hmm. And he said, these people are more noble and stuff. And uh, I think that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um in James 3, 1, it says, uh, it's a, well, we'll go ahead and turn there since we're close. Just to the left. James 3, verse 1, he says, not, let not... Many of you become teachers, yeah. my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. So he says, and, and I don't think the thing is, is that not many people should be teachers. I think the thing is, is that, again, you count the cost. If God has called you to teach, do it. But again, do it in the fear of the Lord. Don't just take it and, like, you teach the kids. I mean, that's an awesome responsibility. I've read that before and laughed and gone, God, please. Yeah. There's two types of tongues of fire. One is really good and one is really bad. And so, and that's the thing, and that's what God wants us to know. It's like, like that's a responsibility in that. Turn to First Timothy chapter one. And we're kind of we're kind of winding down here a little bit. So, First Timothy chapter one, verse one, or verse three. He says, "I thank God, whom who I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did." As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears. Wait a second. I'm in the wrong place. First Timothy 1. Mm. Oh, I'm in 2 Timothy. No wonder. You meant 2 Timothy? No, 1 Timothy. First, 1 Timothy 1, verse 3. He's talking to Timothy. He says, As I urge you on my departure for Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. He says in verse 5, But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So that should be the goal of all teaching. That's three things there. You know, it says love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And this is not only should be the goal of teaching when you're at church, but it also should be the goal of when you're studying the Bible. This should be the fruit that it's producing in you because this is what God, by His Holy Spirit, is teaching us. Mm-hmm. Look at verse 6. He says, For some men, straying away from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. So, and the reason why I say that is, again, like Facebook, all these places where all these people are giving their opinions about what God is and what God is like. And they're saying all these things, and it's not God. It's just like in the same way when, uh, when the Samaritans turned, didn't want to hear uh, James and John preach to them, James and John wanted to rain fire down from heaven. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Mm-hmm. 
And there's a lot of people wandering in the world with the, they don't know what spirit they're of. They're trying to, to rain fire down on people and they're trying to use scriptures and, and blast people with the word of God or even taking scriptures and, and giving a false grace, whatever. But there's people that, that are teaching that have no understanding of the word of God. And the word of God has not impacted them and changed their lives. All they know is a little bit of scripture and they become dangerous and now they want to share that scripture with every person that breathes. And the Bible says you need to be careful. You need to understand that the things that you're true. talking. You need to study to show yourself approved. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is a good place, though, to, to break down strongholds and learn to give answer that's mm -hmm. full of grace and truth and just the, the salt and stuff. So just by example, by answering well. Mm -hmm. You know, to, to me, it's important to sometimes respond when God's character is, you know, being questioned. Right. And so, um, I haven't done much lately on Facebook, but there's been times that I've been able to just really put a gentle, easy-to-swallow, true response mm -hmm. that gets people to thinking. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. But I mean, like, it's hard because like, like there's so much though. I mean, so much yeah, no, just you junk, you know, and just like like this morning, like like yeah, I, 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 I one of the things that I have an issue is is like these 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 prophecies. They're like God is saying that you're gonna have this wonderful thing happen in your life and stuff, and I'm like, well, who is this to? Because this can't be to everybody. <laughs> You know, I, I did one this morning. It's like this thing. Do this thing, you know, what, what God is calling you to do in your life right now. I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it and stuff. And, and it was the exact opposite of what God is telling me. It was like, God wants you to not talk right now. God wants you to be quiet and, and not say anything. And, and I'm like, wait a second. God is actually telling me to talk right now. So, I mean, it's like, so that's the thing. They're posting this stuff. And, and to me, it's irresponsible. Because you're just tossing it out there, and the people that are weak in faith are going to read that and say, okay, well, Maybe God is telling quiet. me to do, Maybe or whatever it is. Right. Maybe God's telling you to, God is saying go to India. Okay, well, <laughs> God's telling me to go to India then. You know what I'm saying? And so there's, 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 it's irresponsible. People are not being careful with the word of God. They're just, they're just, you know, and they're, yeah, they're just throwing it out there and, you know, the, the unlearned and unstable distort that to their destruction. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, again, the Word of God is something that there, there's a responsibility with. It's not something that we just take lightly, and now I've learned a few scriptures, and I'm going to go blast them to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, um, 2 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Mark, chapter 9. Maybe if I love Jesus, I won't forward your post. Yeah. <laughs> or you know stuff on Facebook like you know the thing that, another thing that on Facebook that gets me is like you know Jesus is wonderful he's great and he's got a great plan for your life if you love him you'll post this if you don't it shows where you're at I'm like seriously you know? it's like well, it's like a it's like a Christian chain letter thing, you know. If you don't forward this, you're going to be cursed, you know. And it's like adults are doing this. It's like uh, you know. I think a lot of that goes back to the Holy Spirit, and when when I encounter those things, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, and, and with your particular post, you know, if the Holy Spirit uh, is telling you to 
comment back on that, you know, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, too, I think you got to be real careful because, you know, a lot of times we're the only Jesus that people see. And, yeah. you know, especially the non-believers that we have as friends and, and whatever we're posting, obviously, I think, yeah. can have a, a big effect on yeah, them. Yeah, especially if we're out there arguing just to argue exactly. and then our unbeliever oh. friends are going, good Lord, I'm glad I'm not yeah, a Christian. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a verse, it's something like, like a sparrow and it's flitting and a swallow and it's flying, mm -hmm. so a curse without a cause will not alight. Oh, right. That's when you can post on stuff like that. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Did you say Second Corinthians 8? No, I said Mark. Oh, Mark. That's right. I'm in Mark. Okay. Not nine. Hold on. I think I got the wrong. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Mark 4. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I do that a lot, actually. Yeah. My, my wife tells me about it. <laughs> Mark 4, verse 1. Jesus was teaching. It says, He began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he had to get into a boat in the sea. And he sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and he was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell on the road, or fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Look at this in verse 10. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about this, the parables. Jesus blows me away. I mean, he's preaching to all this crowd, and he talks about the seed that sowed on the, on the different kinds of soil. Some of them sprang up immediately, and the sun came, and they were scorched. Other seeds, the seed fell on the thorns. The thorns came up and choked it. Other seeds fell on the good soil, and they grew up and increased, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, end of sermon. Goodbye. See ya. And he takes off. And so the people are like, okay. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes, honestly, I wonder, like, sometimes with our preaching, with our preaching, do we, do we make it too easy? I, I, you know, I don't know. But there were many times when Jesus would do that. He would say things, and the crowds had no idea what he was talking about. Except for... And, but the, the thing is, is he would say it in such a way that if you were hungry, yeah. you would seek it out. Mm -hmm. And you would find out, what are you trying to say? Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. like he said in verse 9, he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10, as soon as he was alone, his followers along with the twelve began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, to you it, is, it has been given... To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but the, to those who are outside, those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might turn, return and be forgiven. So again, it goes back to the whole thing, the natural man can't understand the things of God.
-hmm. And we can't understand the things of God until we humble ourselves and say, Lord, Mm -hmm. I need you. Mm -hmm. I need you to come into my heart. I need your Holy Spirit to come into me and give me understanding. And that's Mm -hmm. when he gives you ears to hear. Mm -hmm. Which is what they kind of did. They kind of went after him. Yeah, it's all all based on you. So many times, like, so many times, like, people would come up to Jesus for healing and he would say, I don't give the dogs what's, what belongs to the children. And he'd keep on walking. But the people that would get healed were the people that would keep following him and not let go. Mm-hmm. They would keep, because they were the hungry. They were the ones that were saying, like, I don't care what happens. I'm not going to stop following you. No, unless you're communicating with where you're going, you can't get on the computer. Sorry. Not right now. Nope. Verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not do you understand this parable? He's, look at this. He says, If you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all the parables? In other words, he's saying, if you want to understand, this is a bedrock. And it's good for us if we're going to share the word of God with people. This is a parable to, to get in your spirit, to really understand what he's saying right here. Look at what he says in verse 14. The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. Now, this this is what happens when you share the word of God with anybody. Um, He says, these are the ones who are beside the road when they hear the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. So there are those that, like, you share the word of God, and it's like a brick wall. Nothing's happening. Nothing's... It's like they don't even hear what you're saying. Verse 16, in a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And when they had, the, and they had no firm root in themselves, but they're only temporary. And, when, and then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. I don't know how long you guys have been Christians, but I've seen many a person that was on fire for God yesterday that's not following God today. And a lot of it happens because of offense. A lot of it's like, yeah, it's offense or suffering. And it's like those, you know, it's like what happened to that person? Well, the sun came down and it scorched them and now they're no longer following God. Mm -hmm. Um, Verse 18. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things, enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. People that are so invested, and we all have jobs, we all have families, we all have lives that we have to lead, we all have, uh, you know, rent, we all have things, we've got to have vehicles, things of that nature, but... When you allow that to become more important than following the Lord, it, you have to be careful with those things because it will come out and choke the life of God in you. Mm-hmm. And so, the, again, we have to, our hearts have to constantly be focused on Him. Mm-hmm. And everything else is secondary. My job is secondary. Um, even my wife and kids, to a degree, are secondary. Mm-hmm. Right? In verse 20. And these, those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Mm-hmm. You see that? Mm-hmm. And so if our hearts are right, if our hearts, if we allow the Holy Spirit to make our hearts open and ready to receive the word, then our hearts become good soil, 
And that word comes into us and it produces fruit. Amen. 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 You want to pray? Uh, yes. And then, um, yeah, I'll do that. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we just pray that, God, our hearts will be good soil, Lord. We pray, God, that our hearts will be humble soil. Lord, we pray that we thank you, God, for the wisdom that you give us in your word. And we thank you that we can come together to learn what your word has to say. But, Lord, as we continue to learn and grow in our knowledge, may we also grow in our love, Lord. And may we um, never have that knowledge um, take over the love that you put in our hearts for, for other people, for you. And so, God, help us to always remain balanced, Lord. We ask for balance. And, God, we ask that you just continue to give us understanding. And we ask, Lord, that you continue to help us to um, regard one another with humility and that we can sometimes disagree, and but not not even in a way that's closed-minded, in a way that says, oh, well, that's interesting. What do you think? You know, oh, okay. But that we really want to hear each other's perspective. That's That comes from an attitude of humility. And God, I ask that you give us, that all of us, that attitude of humility that's really open to hear from one another and and um, is not so defensive and um, proud. And so, God, we just we thank you that you brought us together to seek you. We thank you for the love that's in this room and um, how everybody in this room loves each other so much. And, God, we just pray that you would keep that the primary. And, um, God, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I want to give a commercial. <laughs> commercial. Um, next week, 